0: Are you having trouble getting your board or volunteers engaged in the fundraising process? Do you want to find new donors, but you're not sure how? This is the episode for you. Hi, Liz Hack here with Small Shop Fundraising. On this episode, we're going to do a quick exercise on how to prospect and sift through potential new donors into your organization. All this coming up. Hello and welcome to Small Shop Fundraising, a podcast dedicated to small to medium sized nonprofits and the topics and issues facing them today. I'm your host, Liz Heck. Today I am doing a solo episode, and it's because I've heard a couple of different organizations tell me that they are having trouble finding new donors, they're having trouble engaging their volunteers. In fundraising. They want to buy leads from some source that they know nothing about these leads, these donor leads. I thought that maybe other nonprofits might be facing the same issues, not knowing how to engage their volunteers, their board, their leadership, their fundraising committees, not knowing where to turn uh, when it comes to new donors, or maybe they're starting a capital campaign or a major gift campaign, and they need to look outside of their current funding pools because they're doing something totally different. So let's go through an exercise together. The best place, it turns out, to find new donors or potential new donors, especially individuals, are are from the people who are sitting around the planning table volunteers, people who help plan your biggest and best events, those folks who are closest to the organization can help you find those individual donors, maybe even corporate organizations that they're attached to in one way or the other. They can help you find new individuals, new donors, to come be a part of your organization's fundraising efforts. And I say that because people will engage with those who they know, who they like, and who they trust. And in fundraising, we call that linkage, interest, and awareness. If you are an organization who supports dogs, and one of your board members has a good friend who loves dogs, has three dogs of her own, or his own, and they know nothing about your organization, that would be a good potential new donor to educate and make your nonprofit uh, aware in her in her sphere. Yeah. However, if you're an organization that supports dogs uh, and one of your board members or volunteers has a really good friend who loves amphibians like turtles and snakes and fish, perhaps it's not the best fit, but still give them the opportunity to say, I think I'll pass on this one. So we're going to go through an exercise. Like I said, nonprofit organizations need to find people who are linked to the organization, who are interested in what types of things the organization's mission tries to impact, and they need to then make them aware of what they do in a variety of ways, right? But before we can do that, we have to find them. So if you aren't driving a car and you're not taking a walk right now and you have the opportunity to get out a piece of paper and a pencil, I would really appreciate it if you went ahead and did that right right now. because so we're gonna do a little bit of an exercise. You're gonna draw a big plus sign in the middle of your paper so that you have four equal quadrants. We're not gonna do any math. Four equal quadrants, uh, one, two, three, and four. And this is going to help you be specific, think outside the box, and create subcategories. And we're going to do this as if you are the donor. Think of an organization, maybe you are on the board of something, maybe you do help plan. Put yourself in your in your volunteer shoes and do this exercise with me. So you've got the big plus sign on your paper, and we're going to label each each quadrant. So in the lower right, you're going to label it friends. In the lower left, you're going to label that professional. In the top right corner, you're going to put community. In the top left corner, you'll put family. And again, these are all subgroups of people that we're going to talk about. So instead of having a board member or somebody tell you that they don't know anybody that could give to this organization, none of them are interested in supporting a nonprofit that works with trees. Well, let's just throw all that away and just focus on putting anything and everything down that comes up as you're going through this exercise. So for example, for friends, Facebook friends, or your social media of choice, friends. That is not going to help in this in this particular exercise. We want to dig deeper and think deeper about who we know that we have considered friends throughout our lifetime. So that means not just thinking about the friends that you have you have right now that you see on a more frequent basis, but the people who you might connect with on Facebook. For example, your high school friends, maybe your college friends, Maybe you've moved and you have friends from an old neighborhood or your current neighborhood friends. Obviously, we're talking about uh, people who you are in groups with potentially on Facebook. Uh, For example, I'm a part of a mom's Facebook group. Perhaps you have people that you bike with or run with or see every morning at your favorite workout spot. Those are all the types of people that you would put on this friends list. People who you've connected with throughout your life that you still have potential connections to. Now let's go up to the top right quadrant of this plus sign, and that should say community. Now what comes to mind when you think about community? Do you think about organizations with whom you volunteer with? That's great. Maybe you belong to a rotary. Maybe your ter- church friends, I am a Girl Scout mom, so I have Girl Scout friend moms that I have met through my community, perhaps your or your children are on a sports team. Uh, maybe you've gone through a leadership class and you still are connected with those folks. I've gone through two different types of leadership classes and I'm still connected to a lot of those folks on Facebook. Uh, a last one I want you to think about in this uh, community category is people in the services group. So maybe you have your hairstylist. Maybe there's a bug guy. Um, We have a bug guy that comes to our house and gets rid of all the bugs. And maybe perhaps it's someone else who helps you with your landscaping. Um, Those are all folks that you can add in this category, this community category. Then we're going to go over to the top left quadrant, the family quadrant. And of course, you want to think about your brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, cousins, grandparents, your parents. But as you think more deeply about this, perhaps you're connected to your siblings' friends, and they might be interested in learning more about the organization that you work so closely with and, and try to impact the community with. Same goes for your parents' friends or if you're close with your cousins and your cousin's friends. Really try and think further out in the networks that, that you're connected to because of the relationships that you have within your own sphere of influence. And lastly, we have the professional quadrant. The, that should be on the bottom left quadrant. This could be professional groups that you're a part of. Maybe you're still connected to people from your old work, right? And of course, at your current job, in every subcategory, all these categories that we just went through, you're not going to have 20, you might, you might have, you know, 30 different people in your workout group or your your biking group, but this is a way to really categorize all these folks and try to remember who they are and where they are and 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 what connections you had to them, and and how you can in, include them in something that you're passionate about. Because it'll make it more fun for the volunteer if they are connecting with people who know, like, and trust. It'll make it more fun for the volunteer if they are reaching out to people that they know, like, and trust, and bringing them into an organization who, who they feel very close to because they are doing so hopefully, because of this exercise, your group, the individual, has come up with at least 25 names. Some could say you could get up to 100 people doing this work, but if you get 25, I think you're doing pretty good. Now, one last thing I want to say about the professional group is even if your new board person or your volunteer group has moved in from another part of the country, say they came from Texas or they came from Florida and now they're living here uh, in this in this new city that is not in one of those states the pushback might be they don't they don't have anybody that lives in this community well that's okay they still might have ties back in in the, their previous reside state and those folks still might want to know what they're up to what they're their life looks like now, and the nonprofit that they're supporting and volunteering is a part of what their life looks like now. So those folks may not be able to come to the local event, but they can certainly be included in newsletters, outreach, phone calls, things like that to get them interested, because that is what the board member or the volunteer will want to be engaged with more. And so it's a way to engage your new and current board and volunteer members. If they have an opportunity to bring their sphere of influence into the organization, it it turns out it could be more fun for them. And they'll have people that will be at the events and be able to talk about what's going on in their life be, through the organization. Now, so they've gotten their 25 to 100 different potential new donors that can be put into a database. So you're probably thinking, now what? What do we, we've got all these names, now what do we do? Well, this is hopefully not too difficult for your board members and hope, and it's something that the staff, if you have a staff to do this, that can help the volunteer do. You gotta build your list, right? And then you gotta find the contact information. It's great to start out with, the Facebook contact information right, but we gotta dig a little deeper. We gotta find their first and last name. It'd be great to also know if they have a significant other and find out what their first and last name is, a phone number, perhaps an address. All the pertinent contact information uh, is needed. You also, it would also be good to tag how that person has gotten into the organization or has come to the organization. So. I brought Jane Smith. So a tag that you would potentially put on that donor is Liz Hack is connected to that, to Jane. So when you want to go and talk to Jane more or in, include her in something or call or send an email or, or a, a thank you letter, you can be reminded that Liz Hack brought that person into the organization and you can tell me or the the person who connected the new donor, that they have done this work. They have sent a $25 check or they are joining a committee or they are attending an event or or whatever it's going to be to engage, to start to engage and really cultivate that relationship with this new person. And that'll make your current and your current board member or volunteer person thrilled that the work that they did Cultivated some type of return, some type of engagement, and so they can call their friend. I can call my friend Jane now and say, "Jane, I'm so glad you're you're coming." Or thanks so much for donating uh, this org- You know this organization is important to me, and I'm glad you see its relevance. There's just a lot of good ways for keeping that communication and tagging that information so that. Everyone stays in the know with how these new donors are coming in through your current volunteers and board members. Another good thing to do once you've added them into your CRM or your spreadsheet, if it's an Excel spreadsheet, is to tag them as to what, how they've engaged into the organization. Have they received a newsletter? Have they been invited to an event? Have they attended a Zoom virtual meeting? Make sure that you stay on top of, especially with new donors, what and how they are connecting to the organization. Have you invited them to a tour? Have they been on a tour? Have they come to an event? Have they volunteered with feeding the animals or tutoring the children or reading or, or picking up and putting away library books or whatever it may be? Have they done that? and then you're able to talk with them from a more intelligent standpoint on how they've interacted with your organization as a staff person and as a board person. So when you may go and talk to them about a gift, you can see their evolution of engagement with the organization. It's also good to tag these types of people for segmented direct mail pieces or segmented email lists. So if, you know, they've been to the 5K or they came to the Zoom meeting, or if they gave at a certain level, you can segment that information and be able to uh, send specific communications to the similar like folks, the, the same group of people that went to the 5K or the same group of people that attended the Zoom meeting. It gives the donor and the volunteer and understanding that you are paying attention to them and that you see them working with and for the organization and that they understand, they see you understanding that they too believe in in the work that the organization is doing. It really is a win-win. This exercise, the making the plus sign and filling out the different quadrants, shouldn't take too long. I would say it could take 15 minutes at most, so it's a great exercise right at the beginning of a board meeting or right at the beginning of a volunteer session. You could even put it into a virtual meeting exercise with slides to help people kind of think through the different subcategories. Be sure that you collect the names, and no matter how much information they have for each individual potential donor or volunteer, but be sure you collect that information and then, you know, come back to them and ask them, you know, did you ever get that phone number or do you have that new address? Really the focus is once you do this, you get the list back from your uh, board or your volunteer group and then you can ask questions and follow up later. This is a great way to get any committee meetings started because again, it's just a little 15-minute exercise that all can do together. And if you do decide to work on building donors this way instead of buying leads or uh, flyering a neighborhood or whatever and hoping that people will give, the relationships seems to, to sustain year over year, month over month. And the organization is better off for it because of doing the, the work in the front with creating relationships and providing opportunities for donors who may not like to ask for money but still be a part of fundraising through engaging their sphere of influence, the sustainability of those donors are long-lasting instead of potentially a a lot of those leads that you bought or those donor names that you bought giving at a low level one time and then never repeating that that donation again. So that is one of the reasons why we always encourage at GFN;M, at Griffin Fundraising and Marketing, to find new donors through this type of exercise through people who you know, you like, and you trust, and then linking them and providing and seeing if they're interested, and then providing awareness of the nonprofit. It all goes back to building those relationships for the long term. If you have any questions about this particular exercise or any other questions about finding new donors, please send me an email. My email address will be in the show notes. Happy to also provide a 20-minute conversation about how to find new donors in a world during a pandemic. My name is Liz Hack. This has been Small Shop Fundraising. Thanks for listening.